Good morning. Glad that you're here. Hope you're all having a happy new year. All right. Um, you know, we all tend to like the familiar, right? I mean, when things are, are kind of comfortable and all that, we kind of like that. You know, we kind of like having a sense of home and we know where everything is and all that. Um, and when, when things are not like that, we get a little bit uncomfortable. Um, we had gone up last year to visit my daughter in Los Angeles, and we stayed in an um, Airbnb up there. And it was like three, there was, a, there was just a, a condo, there was like three buildings looked exactly the same, just the same three buildings. And... Um, my wife and I went to, to breakfast, and we just walked around, and we had a good old time. And then we come back, and we just go into the building, and we go down the hall, and we go into the room, and she goes, oh, the key doesn't work, but then the door was open. So we go in there, and it was like, what happened? Because it looked totally different. And I was thinking, oh, no, I'm not going to have any underwear. Where's, where's all my stuff? And, and we run out. And we look, no, I, I think this is the place. And then we go back in, and it's like, okay, this is weird. It was, it looked like the same room, except the furniture and everything was really different. And then so I, we went around the hall and went, hello, hello. And this guy comes out, and I go, what, what? And then he says, you know what, this happens all the time, that um, this is building C or whatever, and, uh, yeah, we're in building A. And she goes, he goes, yeah, I know I should just lock my door, but I just leave my door open. You know, just so happy that door was open. And, and we went back. And it was like the weird, I mean, it was like, can you imagine if you just walked into your house and it wasn't your house anymore? It was kind of like that. It was really, really weird, you know. And, um, you know, we like the familiar. When, it gets, when it's, things aren't the way it is, it just kind of messes us up. When we were in Portland um, for a seminary, uh, you know, we were getting a little bit, I was getting a little bit homesick and stuff, and I, I wanted to get some comfort food, like, from home. And so we decided to go to the grocery store, and um, because, you know, we were going to make stuff like shoyu chicken, mac salad, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we were in Fred Meyers, that's a grocery store in, in Portland, and, and they didn't have Aloha shoyu, like... Like, how can you make shoyu chicken without aloha shoyu, right? And then we go to the mayonnaise section. There's no best foods. Like, <laughs> you cannot make mac salad without, they had like Miracle Whip. What the heck is Miracle Whip, you know? And uh, it was like, oh. And, uh, you know, without those things, it doesn't have that familiar taste, Right? And uh, instead of adapting or adjusting, you know, I just found myself getting kind of grumpy, you know, like grouchy. We finally found a store that had like local kind of stuff, Aloha Shoyu and some other stuff. The funny thing is I don't even use Aloha Shoyu now. But, but you know, when we go through change, um, what, I, what I've experienced is that instead of just adjusting and seeing what God does, it's so easy to complain. You know, I find myself... Just complaining, you know, just grumbling, like, oh, why can't they, you know, why can't, they, why, why don't they have, why doesn't Fred Meyer have Aloha show you? Right? I've seen other Asians around. You gotta have Aloha show you, you know? 
And uh, for fun, I don't know why, uh, I just came across this list of um, actual um, complaints that was sent to a travel agency. And I thought, no, this got to be fake. So there was, here's a few of the complaints that this travel agency had after they had, you know, guys had booked a vacation and went off, came back. One was, uh, the beach was too sandy. We had to clean everything when we returned to our room. Like, are you serious? Um, another one was, nobody told us there would be fish in the ocean. The children were very frightened. Like, <laughs> what do you thought was it going to zebras? I don't know. Uh, and then... We went on holiday to Spain and had a problem with taxi drivers because all they spoke was Spanish. Like, come on. Come on, man. And, you know, change is hard. And we're entering a new season as a church, and, and there, there's going to be changes up ahead, you know. And some, will be, some may be really exciting, some of you might get really excited about Some of you might get uncomfortable. Uh, some changes might make us yearn for what we used to have, you know? And, uh, you know, change is, is, is difficult. And instead of embracing the new, um, you know, we, we get kind of sentimental. And, and we kind of miss what we had. And we kind of miss out. And we could grumble. or we, You know, um, it's like, I don't know about you guys, but... Um, I get real sad when I have to give up my car, you know? Like, I take pictures with my car. You know, even though I'm going to get a, a newer, nicer car, because my car is all, like, it's a beater after a while. But yeah, I get all sentimental like that. And, and a lot of us um, get sentimental. And um, we grumble when things change. And the thing is, we can do this um, when it comes to God as well. When God does certain stuff and we don't like it, we tend to, to grumble a little bit, you know? Um, and there was a group in the Bible when Jesus was walking the earth, there was this group of religious people, um, and they were having a really hard time with all the new that Jesus was bringing in. Because Jesus came in and he wasn't just doing what, and, and teaching what has already been taught. You know, he was, he was bringing in something brand new, and uh, instead of seeing all the amazing things that he was doing, instead of embracing this, this incredible teaching that he was bringing that they never heard before, um, um, all the things that if they just saw what he was doing and, and, and who he was and how he was teaching, they would have known that this was the Messiah, but they missed it all. And all they did was they just followed him around and they grumbled. And they complained. You know, they just grumbled and complained. And it was like they had nothing better to, to do than to follow Jesus. Like, oh, look what he's doing now. Like, you know, and all that. And in Mark 2, verse 18, um, we, we see an episode, we read about an episode where all they can do is grumble. So in Mark 2, 18, it says, once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some of the people came to Jesus and asked, hey, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? We see all the other religious groups, they're fasting. What about you guys? Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast when celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is, is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and they then they will fast. Going on, verse 21. Besides, who would put 
who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the, from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And then verse 22, and, and no one, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skin would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. See, and here they are, they're hammering Jesus with another complaint. You know, say, like, you don't, you know, all that stuff. Why don't you fast? And Jesus responded with like three, three simple illustrations that they would all know about. It was like so obvious to everybody. It wasn't like this was going to be like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Now, these are things that, they, that was very common to them, very familiar to them, that he responded with, with very familiar things. He talked about a wedding, a patch, and some wineskins. But in, in these three stories, he's, he's, he's teaching them some major spiritual truth. And, 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 he's, and he's preparing them. If they would listen, that, that he's preparing them for the changes that he's bringing in. And there are some really important spiritual truths that, that we can, as we head into a season, and we're just beginning the season where we're going to see new things, how do you respond to that? How do you move forward? And so the first thing he talks about is a wedding, right? A wedding. A common practice among the religious groups was, was fasting. And, and they said, why don't you fast? You know, why doesn't your group, we don't see your group fasting. All they're doing is eating and having a good time. And Jesus responded and says, you know, he compares himself to a bridegroom. And back then, a wedding was a really humongous deal, even more than today. That the ceremony would be followed like by a whole week of, of, of partying and celebration and eating and all these kinds of things. It was just this glorious time of celebration. And the couple, they were treated like a king and a queen and and during this week-long celebration, and it really was like the best week of their lives. And, and, and what Jesus was saying was, when, when the bridegroom is there, and you're so, it's, it's a time for celebration. It's a time for feasting. It isn't a time for fasting. There, there is a time for fasting, but that's not, that's not you know, when fasting, when you fast. When the bridegroom is there and you're celebrating, it's a time of feasting. And what Jesus was saying was, you know, following me is, is, is to be this joyful, it's all about this joyful relationship with me. That when you have me, it's just, it's a joyful time, not just doing religious rituals. Now, there were times when Jesus called his disciples to fast. But what he was saying is like, no, see, I am the bridegroom. When I'm here, you know, there is something more important than these, these religious rituals. All, all you're about are these religious rituals. And sometimes what God does, he just says, I'm going to bring in something new because you know, you're getting too comfortable. That, that you're beginning to follow the rituals and you're not following me. And then he goes on and he gives an illustration about a patch. And he was sharing about something that, again, everybody would know about. You know, it was like common sense. It was like, you don't put a new patch on an old robe because when you wash it and stuff and you, when you dry it and it 
shrinks and, you know, new is not going to shrink like with the old. It's going to cause a rip. And everybody knew that. And he was saying, you know, when I come, I didn't come to, to improve the practices of the day. I didn't come to be like this patch that you put on this patch to all the good things that you're doing and there's a hole here. I didn't come to patch something up. Jesus said that, that he came in a greater way. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 5.17, it says, if any person belongs to Jesus, he becomes a new person. The old, is, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. And what Jesus is saying, he didn't come to patch up your old life. He didn't come to just patch up your old life. That he came to give you a brand new life. You know? And that's what Jesus was saying. Hey, change is coming. You know, I've come to bring change. I've come to give you a whole new life. And, and I didn't come just to be a patch. And everybody understood the patch. Like, you don't do that. Then, his last illustration was like another duh kind of thing where everybody knew. He says, only a fool would put new wine into an old wineskin. Yeah. This wasn't rocket science. Everybody knew that. Like, no, yeah, of course you don't put new wine into old wineskins. And, and what he was doing in Jesus' time, you know, wines were mostly stored in, in goat skins and, and they were removed and scraped clean and they kind of turned them inside out and kind of like tanned them over a fire like that and then the skin was kind of stitched back together and you know where the neck was, that's the, you know, the, where the mouth of the, the skin was and all that. And everybody knew that. Everybody knew what a wineskin looked like. Everybody knew that you don't put new wine in an old wineskin because, you know, new wine, when the... When the uh, the wine skin, when that goat skin is, 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 is fresh and new, it's soft and, and, and it's supple, you know, it's just nice. And then when you put the new wine in, it can expand because it'll stretch a little bit, you know, because of the gases, of the, as it ferments in the, the wine in there, gases are released and all that stuff. And he's saying, it's common sense, as you guys all know. You don't put new wine into this crusty old wineskin because it's going to bust. And Jesus was saying um, that all this complaining is because his teaching was so new and different and uncomfortable to some of those, and they were being like these inflexible, hardened wineskins. I said, you know, some of you are like that. Their attitude was, we've always done it that way, you know? Someone once said, We've always done it. That Someone once said that those are like the six words of death to a church. Uh, they, I, I even read somewhere that that's what people say. That those are the six words of death to businesses. You know, anything, but especially a church. When a church says, no, you know, we've always done it that way. You know, no, we, no, we don't do that. No. No, we don't. We don't have ukuleles. No. We just have organs, you know? you know. Pastors don't just wear shirts. They wear like robes and stuff. I don't know. I kind of would like to wear a robe one day. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. You have come up with a robe. That'd be kind of cool, you know? Um, got some really fancy ones too, you know? But anyway, so, but that's what they were doing. And he's saying like, no. And they fought Jesus all the way to the cross. 
and they were uncomfortable. And they were being like these inflexible, old, wineskins whose attitude was like, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't do things like that. We've never done it like that. Jesus, why are you hanging out with those people for? Those are like naughty people. I hang around with them. You know, I don't care if you're doing miracles. We've never done it like that before. We just hang around nice people. You know? We need to have hearts, is what he's saying. We need to have hearts that are soft to his Holy Spirit. That, that, that when he leads us a certain way, we move in a certain way. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So often, and what Jesus was getting to with the wineskin is so often, you know, what we do is we, we start off by following Jesus. And in 2004, we started off following Jesus. And pretty soon, we start getting comfortable doing the things we do, you know? And pretty soon, that's the way we've always done things. And we no longer follow. We're just following what we've always done. You know? That's why, you know, I haven't done it for a while, but that's why I like messing with the chairs. You know, sometimes I, I think, yeah, we're doing the 757, the 747 thing with the two aisles on the side. I think maybe we'll do like a 737, this one aisle on the middle, you know, or we'll just have, you know, or sometimes I think, what if we put the stage right there? People come in like, oh, we've never done it like this before. Right? I mean, just to do something different, you know. People say if it's not broken, then don't fuss with it. Sometimes I think, if it's not broken, break it. You know? and, and I want us to be, and God wants us to be a church that'll change. Because, because it's not above us just to get really comfortable with the way things are. You know? Why is it that every morning when we come here, I just sit right there? Why don't I ever sit over here? You know? And as we continue to follow Jesus, we need to make our relationship with him most important. Why? Because that's who we follow. We don't follow a system. We don't follow a religion. We follow a person. And, and we follow a person recognizing that, that he wants to give us a brand new life. That he wants to give us a brand new life. And, and we have to have soft hearts that are open to receive all the new things God wants to pour into our lives and into our church. And God is pouring new wine into our church. Some new things that will require change. And it's exciting, but it's also uncomfortable. I know one thing, some of the changes will require me to step out in faith in maybe ways I've never stepped out in faith before. That, that um, it's going to be good, it's going to be exciting, it's going to move us to a place where we can reach more people for Jesus, but it's going to be a change, and it's going to be a step of faith. 
And the exciting thing is as we follow Jesus, he begins to reveal where and what he wants us to do. And as we begin 2019, you know, there's a couple of them that I can share. I want to share all kinds of stuff that could happen, but I just want to share with you this morning a couple things that I know will happen. And one of them are um, you know, this whole new wineskin called Life Group. So I'm going to call Neil Murakami up. Neil is working with Neil Shimabukuro, uh, and they're working on bringing to life these new wineskins called, called uh, Life Groups. And how we determine who would lead this is, I guess your head name had to be Neil, you know? And so, um, yeah. So this is the old Neil, and then and the new Neil will be here in the second. The young Neil will be here in the second service. But what is so new about these life groups? That's a good question. We Give me notes. a good answer. <laughs> so two Neils can say the same thing. Um, a lot of times when you're going to define what's new, you kind of look at what's old. And um, for us at KCF, you know, we've been here for a while, and there's two things that are really important to us. And you'll see one of them on our shirt. It says, hey, we love God and we love others. Not my shirt. Oh, our KCF shirt. You said <laughs> it says, love on our love God and love others. And the other one is when, when, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of the nations. And, and those two things are really important to them. And they're not actually old. They're eternal. When Mark, sooner than I, and when I turn to dust and we're gone, those two command, the, the commission and commandment of God, it's going to last. It's going to last to our kids and the kids after us. And, you know, it, it's just one of the things we do. So it's not real old, but it is something that we have been charged with. And so in you, looking forward, Neil and I, um, we, we looked at a lot of things that would propel. How, the question always is, how do you do that? How am I supposed to do that? Right? Yep. And, and whoever, if I come and I just started, how do I do that? And, and a lot of times we think we just got to start and we can do it immediately. It doesn't work like that. We've noticed that God works in seasons, in steps. It's kind of like birthing a human being. We don't, we don't have adults come out like this. Otherwise, a lot of you mothers would say, forget it. I ain't doing it. Um, so, so, you know, we have steps and we, we're spending a lot of time doing that. And so uh, the difference, the new portion is that we um, have been really working on the organizational structure, how we train through the organizational structure, how we support that structure. So every single person has a place and we're all connected together as KCF to, uh, to make this move. So everyone has something that they can contribute and take away. You know, so like, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're transforming small groups into something called life groups. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Now, what makes you, what, what are you so excited about, other than being on stage with me? Or what are you excited about as far as our life groups go? Everything else. <laughs> 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 the exciting part about life groups as we look at it is um, that we believe that there's going to be a place for everyone to grow into God's very best during this season of your life. Everybody has work, everybody has school, everybody has stuff going on. But during this season of your life, we're excited to see you grow into God, God's very best. And so 
that if you're a leader that's leading if if, if you're attending you're, you're learning it's just just unending up uh, so whether they be like college or there might be young adults or there might be like uh retired or whatever there's there's a life group for for everybody and everybody can grow that's right that's what you're saying huh that's right what what are the purposes and goals of, of these new as we you know we're just starting off these life groups what, what's the purpose and goals for these groups so very simply put, we came out with um, three very easy to remember things that should represent what we do. Um, there are three words. They go, and it's all start with G. There's gather. We're going to gather together. We're going to grow. And we're all going to grow. Not just one, not two. Everyone has a place to grow. And the last portion is go. And that's super important. Because whatever we do in these walls is not confined when we go outside. And when, when the commission says to go and make disciples... It doesn't mean, like Mark said, getting comfortable and hanging. We are making an engine that will help to do our part in Hawaii, in the world, for what commission God given us. So that's kind of a new thing where, like, in a small group, sometimes it's just you build community and you, you kind of just stay together. A big component of this, then, is even in this life group, there'll be a strong encouragement just to keep reaching out to people. That's right. What you say? Because all of you have fr- most of you have friends. You have family, you have circles of influence. And, and the question is, how? How do I do this? What, tell me what I can do to help people have God get into their life, to, to improve their life, they, like mine. How do I do that? What's going on? And, and so there is an emphasis on goal. It's a big deal. Okay, good. Now, big question for everybody, like, oh, they kind of contemplate. This is, yeah, I guess this is new, whatever. The question is, what's in it for them, right? So what's, what's a benefit? What, what do you say would be the benefit that you would encourage them to, to join and join a life group, what's the benefit to everyone? The, the um, structuring of the life group is made, I'll give you an example. Okay. One of the things we talk about is it's, there's a safe place for you to be no matter what, what stage of your life you're at. And that safe place, by way of example, you can ask any, any question you want and there will be an answer. Like, I'm, I'm super sensitive. You guys know over the years that I didn't grow up a Christian. And I'm super sensitive because I, I got to ask from my small group leader a lot of questions that you can't ask in church. Like when they say, hey, turn to Matthew 5. I'm like, what's Matthew and what's 5, right? So it's as simple as that. Or, um, hey, Dave, Oyadamari, you're my leader. What's the meaning of life? You know, you can ask any question you want. And there will be an answer either together or it's going to come through leadership, but it is one piece that we're all joined together as KCF. So it is a very, um, it's a, a place where you'll generate a lot of who you are and God's going to get into your life and it's going to really propel you forward. I didn't know you were sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. I'm so sensitive. Um, you know, so pretty much what you're saying is if they would join a life group, they're going to grow. Yeah. They're going to grow. If we, if, if we got this, we're, we're going in that direction, um, it, it won't. It can be stuff like, hey, um, my tire is flat. How do I fix it? And that's one way to grow together because we're there together to help each other. Mm. It could be, how do I understand, how do I read the Bible? And, mm-hmm. and that should be something that will be there right. as well. Any portion that you hit, that life, it's all about life. And in the Bible, it says, choose <laughs> life, not death. And it's supposed to create that portion. You know, sometimes when, when people are thinking about getting into, like, like it's easy to come here because you're just kind of part of the crowd. 
But when they think about going to a small group, sometimes it's like kind of more threatening, like, oh, I'm just a new Christian, I'm not a Christian, whatever. What would your encouragement to, 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 to people considering joining a life group? It might be someone who's like, well, I'm kind of, I don't know the Bible, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to do whatever. What would you say to them? Um, you heard the word <clears throat> safe place. It, it should be no problem, any stage you're at, wherever you go. You should know this, that from the very beginning of the Bible, it affirms that we're meant to be together in some kind of community. Uh, God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. So he created Eve. Later on in the Bible, in Matthew, it says that basically, <clears throat> where two or more of, of you guys are, in my, uh, are gathered in my name, it says God's going to be there. I, I'm going to be there with you guys. And through life, you guys all know life. You guys have been around long enough to know there are good times and there are mm -hmm. bad times. In the bad times, the Bible says, hey, better that two or more walk together through life. Lest one fall down, there's someone to pick them up. In the good times, it says, hey, iron sharpens iron. You get better when you're together with somebody mm -hmm. else. It's hard to sharpen yourself if you're one piece of iron. But in community, that happens, and everything in between. So uh, I would really encourage you, like, no matter who you are, what you do, get involved in a life group because there will be one that, uh, that's going to be good for you. Anyway, we're just starting up. If you have any questions, come see Neil, right? I mean, yeah. just be starting up. We have a campaign coming up. That'll be like a transition. But you have any questions about life groups, you know, we're just kind of getting it started. So come see Neil, all right? Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks. That's going to be a very, very um, exciting new wineskin in the life of our church. I like the fact that, that we're going to, there's a place for people to gather. It's hard to gather and, and, and do life and to grow really in a service like this. But you get to be in a place where you can gather and you can grow. And, 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 just, and, and most important maybe is then you get to go and make disciples. And how exciting is that? That's what Jesus called us to do. Another really exciting, for me, a really exciting um, a new wineskin is, you know, God... From the very get-go, God called us in 2004 was to reach a generation that were in their 20s and 30s and they were navigating through important times in their lives. And God gave me a real love for those in the generation called Gen X. And I believe that God's calling us to really continue to reach generations. That, uh, that in our church, I don't really believe that God's called us to reach our particular portion of our city or a, a certain, you know, ethnic group or whatever. I just feel like God has said, you're going to reach generations. And so one of the new wineskins is God has begun to, put, began to put it on our hearts that we have to reach out to that next generation called the millennial generation. So I wanted to call Dave Yadamari up uh, to share some of what's been going on. All right. Thanks, Mark. Go get them. <laughs> so let's start with um, the heart, right? And what I mean by that is um, I think all of us here know people who are our friends, family members, coworkers, who uh, don't know Jesus, don't come to church, right? I think mm -hmm. that's pretty obvious, pretty clear. And... Um, so I don't think, when, when Mark and I were talking, I don't, I don't think the church has an awareness problem. Meaning mm. that if, 
if the people that we know, we love, we hang out with, uh, really wanted to go to church, there are so many churches they can go to on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just go down Pensacola. Um, you can see there's Makiki, there's a Chinese, you know, the Chinese, first Chinese church up there. Um, I think, you know. First Baptist. First Baptist. I mean, yeah, First Baptist. I mean, <clears throat> there's, there's so many churches, right? So the question becomes, how come these, the chairs are still empty, right? Mm. How come this place isn't overflowing? Mm. Um, and, and so that's where the heart is when we talk about the generation. And I'm also a business guy. Right, as you know. And so, you know, and I also like to think about stuff. <laughs> really? Maybe too much. Um, but my, my thought goes like this, right? Um, why is that the case? And if you had a really amazing business or product, and I said to you, come to, you know, come to my shop. Let's say if it was a coffee shop. I said, I have the best coffee. Come. I'm open every Sunday from 9 to 12. That's it. How, how successful would I be as a business if I was open three hours a week? Yeah. I don't know how successful we'd be. Mm-hmm. Right? And yet, the traditional model of today's church is exactly that. Yeah. It's, like, if, even if we look at KCF, uh, even from our founding, we wanted to be a church without walls. But if we look at the resources that we spend, I would... Yes, I, I can't remember if we, I don't think we analyzed it, but just roughly looking at it, it was somewhere close to 90% of our resources you could attribute towards Sunday. How are we going to reach people? How are we going to follow the Great Commission if every resource is spent on three hours one day a week? Mm. So that's the backdrop. That's the heart that I think... Um, if you have, if that resonates with you in some way, you go to work, you go to school tomorrow, you, go off, you just came off of a family functions, you hang out with friends, you know Jesus, you know the love of God, but there's people in your life who do not. That's the heart mm-hmm. that it starts with. <clears throat> so that's part one. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about, Mark just talked about the next generation. And when we talk about the millennials, we're talking about people who are considered about 22 to 37 years old today. And the Generation Z, which is the folks right after them, which is those who are really 21 and younger. Mm-hmm. Here's the burden I have for, for that generation. It's harder and harder for the church to reach the next generations. Because there's so many opportunities and distractions, if you want to call it that, to not get up in the morning, get dressed, and go to church on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, there's a the thing called NFL. <laughs> there's, there's the things that uh, I stayed up <clears throat> super late on Saturday, hanging out with my friends. Uh, I could be hungover. I could have a headache. I don't know what it is, but I don't want to get up and go to the church thing and then make like I'm happy when I'm really not. Right? Um, there is um, the video gaming whole spectrum where uh, people can stay in their own world and not interact with a human being for days on end, right? Um, I think it's going to be harder and harder to uh, reach the next generation, quite yeah. frankly. Um, and so that is, 
the kind of backdrop for what we've been praying about and what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do about that, you guys? And I think it starts with the first piece, which is prayer. Yeah. Um, that everything starts with prayer. And that it's not by our own strength. And Mark's been talking about the three keys. It really starts with just praying people uh, into church, into the kingdom, right? Um, and I, quite frankly, starting with me, um, I don't think we do enough of it. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Um, the second thing is, I think, we as the church, I think the other perspective, the new wineskin, is we got to go to where people are. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes that means geographically, physically picking up and moving to where the next generation is. Um, and so a lot of what we've been talking about recently is um, if we're going to reach this next generation, and we know that they might not get up Sunday and come to McKinley Community School for Adults, is there someplace else geographically we've got to be moving to where they are, where they want to be? And so that's something we're praying about Continually, actually. What about what, anything specific we are praying about as far as moving <laughs> geographically? If I were to say, yeah. um, uh, not that we're called necessarily to a geographic location, uh-huh. as you said, yeah. right? But we are Kaka'ako Christian Fellowship, right? Right. That we know. <laughs> and if I were to ask you, where is Kaka'ako? Where is the heart of Kaka'ako? What would you guys say? McKinley Community School? No. (laughs) (laughs) Where would be the one place that would be, at least today, the heart of Kaka'ako? Salt. And so what we've been praying about, you guys, is... um, Jeez. is we got to go where the people are. Amen. And as corny as it is, we call it to be salt and light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I really think that if we're called to reach the generation and we're kaka'ako, we got to be where kaka'ako is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so beyond that piece of it, which is probably the most significant prayer request and the most significant thing for us right now, is then some of the thoughts, and these are just thoughts, concepts, of what would we do if we moved into the heart of Kaka'ako. Um, and, and here's some, some concepts, right? Um, and some of these might be resonating with you. Uh, I'm not saying these are locked in stone by any means. Um, but here's some examples. Um, one would be to have a meeting place, a hangout place, a collaboration place at SALT. Uh, this is a place where... You know, God's blessed us with 705 South King Street, the office, for years, the last 14, actually, mm-hmm. to be exact. But what would it be like if there was a place where any one of you here could just pop in, meet friends, collaborate with people in that area, and even just hang out in a place in the heart of Kakako? That's one. Uh, in, a, in an environment that would be comfortable. So never mind the plastic tables and the plastic chairs, okay? Um, but it would be actually much more cafe-like. Yeah. Um, the second thing is for those of you who are musicians, um, I remember, you know, today I think it's about maybe once a week the worship team gets together, practices the set for Sunday, 
But again, it's all for Sunday. What would it be, would it be like if there were just times where musicians could gather uh, in the heart of, of the city and just have impromptu jam sessions? I remember there were times when uh, the musicians at KCF would do that, and they would just kind of hang out and just play whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Guys that used to come to mm-hmm. mind, like Neil knows, like you know, Sente would be a, an example of mm-hmm. the kind of picture that comes to my mind. Um, I've talked a lot uh, for a long time about also um, being able to do like a crowdsourced um, activity. The closest thing we do today would be like Angel Tree. Mm-hmm. Um, what if we did that digitally? Uh, what if we did that where it was we identified businesses in the community, small businesses, local businesses, uh, families in the community who we just crowdsource prayer online? Um, just like there's a like button on social media, it would be a prayer button. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would also be an opportunity to bless businesses and people in that community, but digitally. Um, we also talked about uh, having life stage classes. And so I'm really excited about the life groups. Mm. But a lot of where people start to reach out and look for guidance, uh, for truth, and for the love of God is when there are these life stages, whether it's pre-marriage or marriage, or they're going through a divorce, or they're having a hard time with their, the parenting their kids, or um, maybe the, the career changes, um, taking care of the elderly. A lot of these things, everyone goes through. Um, yeah. So is there a place where they can come to and meet people who are struggling those same things right now, with mm-hmm. right now? And what does the Bible say? And what are some truths that they can impart in their own lives. Um, and then I would love it one day if the church would run a marketplace business. You know, mm-hmm. I think about Paul, and we got to remember this, right? Paul was a marketplace minister. He was a tent maker. Um, so is there an opportunity for the church also to be in the marketplace mm-hmm. and so that we become the everyday church, Amen. not just the Sunday church? And... Um, Mark has, has said this to me, and it really stuck with me. He said, like, we're not here to build a church. We're not here to do church, but we're here to be the church. And so what would that look like seven days a week Amen. as opposed to just on Sundays? Awesome. As you can tell, there's just a lot of stuff up in the air, but that's the direction we're headed. That's going to take all of us. So if you have any questions about that or you want to join in, just see Dave, yeah? All right? Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> You know, really, really, really excited about that. Now, you're going to say, well, I'm not in my 20s and 30s. It doesn't matter. You know, God has called us to reach out to people, and that's who we're going to target. That doesn't mean that we're not going to reach anybody. No. But we're going to try to focus because that's a generation. When you look at churches across the United States, that's an age group that's not in the church. And we've got to reach that generation because God's called us to reach generations. So, yeah, what can you do? Three keys that Dave talked about really quick. What is needed? That we've got to be a church that's committed to these three keys that God gave us late last year. We've got to be totally dependent on him. we just got to be. We've got to be totally reliant on the power of his grace, not our own. Pretty much, pretty simply what that means, we've got to be totally reliant on the Holy Spirit. And then we have to be totally surrendered. And that's really hard. Not my will, God, but yours be done. 
And I would like us all, and I just here's my encouragement to you. Let's embrace the new that God's bringing in. You know, what I would say is we're going to start a campaign in a couple of weeks called Daring Faith, where it's a campaign where we're going to get people into small groups, and those small groups are going to transition into life groups, but that's going to be the start. And it's going to be a campaign in which we're going to ask God to really just give us a a major encouragement to be people of daring faith. And it's going to go on for six weeks. It's going to start on the 27th. I want to encourage you to, to get involved in that. Here's a real quick little thingy on it. Worship. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. Faith is seeing in advance. Friends, anybody can trust God when things are going great. That's no sweat. You're flush in cash, you're happy and everything's going great. The real test of your faith is when things stink, when you've lost your job, when everything isn't going right. That's the ultimate test of your faith. Real faith develops in the valleys of life, not in the mountains. Why? Because if you could understand every way God moves and why he moves the way he does, then he wouldn't be big enough to solve your problems. But we know that God can even bring good out of bad if we give it all to him. Hang on, spring's coming again. Will you trust God? This is going to be the transition. This campaign is going to be the transition where we transition from small groups to life groups, where we transition for the foundation of our church moves from Sunday mornings to these life groups, that our life groups will be the foundation in our church. That's a new wineskin. I want to encourage you. Join in. We're going to have sign-ups in a week or probably next week or so. We're going to have sign-ups. We're going to have the workbooks um, on sale uh, to get involved. But get involved in that. The second thing, start praying for those in the millennial generations. Pray for us. Pray that God would give us wisdom how to reach this generation. We've got to reach this generation. We need God. We've got to be dependent on him. He's going to show us. You know, pray that we would have a place in the middle of Kaka'ako. Pray that we would, we would be able to plant a part of us, maybe our office or whatever, in the midst, in, in salt. Pray. Pray that God would open the doors, that we would be where, the, where this generation meets. All right? Nothing happens but through prayer. So be praying. Next week, I want to encourage you. Next week is going to be just an encouragement to you all with something that God wants you personally to embrace. Um, I believe that God's going to speak, not me, but God's going to speak to all of us in a really powerful way. He's going to encourage us in a very personal way next week. I want to encourage you to be here for that. All right? Why don't you stand with me? Um,
We're going to pray, and then we're going to close with a song, all right? Father, thank you for new wineskins. Thank you for change. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring in something totally new. You didn't come just to reinforce rituals. You came so that we would understand that our relationship with you, loving you and loving others is the most important thing. That you didn't come just to patch up our lives, God. You came to bring in a brand new life. You came to give us a brand new life. And we thank you. We thank you that you want to pour new wine into our lives and in our church. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come in Jesus' name.